There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy Podcast with me, Alison Perry. My guest today is Ruth Crilly, who has been a successful model and now she blogs at A Model Recommends. She writes, she films YouTube videos and creates all sorts of amazing digital content, mostly beauty, a bit of fashion, a bit of lifestyle, and she's also a mum of two. Uh, She's soon launching an app called The Night Feed, which is aimed at new mums up feeding their baby. And we caught up on the podcast about all sorts of things from juggling motherhood and work, mum guilt, comparison, making a living on social media and the big taboo, how motherhood can be a bit boring. Here's what Ruth had to say. Welcome, Ruth, to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Very excited to have you on. Um, So you are a successful model. Uh, What are some of the campaigns that you worked on? Oh, man, this is going back. Um, Back in the day. Back in the day. I mean, at one point I I was doing everything. So I'd go down the high street and I think I was in five or six high street windows when they used to use models in campaigns yeah and not celebrities yeah it was ridiculous and um i used to play a game where i used to go into wh smith's or r was it r frank's do you remember that magazine shop r frank's yeah it was behind top shop that kind of area and it was a specialist magazine shop and there used to be loads around london you don't get them anymore and they used to have all of those rare magazines that weren't on general release i remember i used to always go to borders for those sort of things borders. Do you remember back in the day there was a borders yeah. and you get all the kind of random little magazines that you couldn't find yeah. anywhere else so borders so this would have been more specialist than borders right. even still and i used to go in and see i used to go and find some of the obscure sort of foreign magazines that i'd been in but yeah i used to play a game and it, every month i'd be on some covers or i'd be you know i'd be in something so i was busy yeah yeah so you i would say that's fairly successful then fairly, yeah you know ish yeah. um <laughs> it was okay um and also you write a blog uh you film youtube videos and you create all sorts of digital fashion beauty lifestyle content yeah um under a model recommends that's right yeah um why do you think that's taken off in such a big way because it really has it feels like you're you're up there you've got a lot of people reading your blog posts and watching your videos well I started it nine years ago and it really took off straight away. And I think at that point there weren't, I'd say there weren't that many blogs. I mean, there were, but nothing like it is now. I mean, it's absolutely saturated. And so people were still sort of 
able to carve out their own niche and that was my niche you know I was a, a model and people didn't really know the reality behind the scenes um and so it was just a perspective that nobody had seen before I think and it started off I was going to write anecdotes about my jobs and bits and pieces um but I wrote a few beauty reviews and, and they did really really well and I really enjoyed it and it was the beauty aspect of modeling and being in the makeup artist chair and looking at what they were using and the skincare uh, that I was really interested in. So I rolled with that and then it immediately just really sort of gained traction. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and you're a mum of two. Yeah. What's I that know. like? Yeah, it's. I still can't believe it actually because it took six years to get pregnant with Angelica um, and she's four in a couple of weeks time which means that it'll be a good like decade since we started thinking about having kids wow so that's kind of like the same length of time as your blog has been going and you're, yeah it's... yeah so we start well we got married nearly 11 years ago and um so there were a couple of years where we weren't really trying or not trying um and then when i started my blog i think the year after i think i had a miscarriage Maybe it was a year after that, but it was pretty soon after I'd started it. And I was thinking about this the other day. It's so f not funny, but it's so strange that now everybody really shares everything online. Yeah. There was no way I would have shared that then. The climate was just completely different in social media. And it was quite lonely because I, I had to, I'd created this huge monster of a website and it was doing really, really well. And I was working all hours that God sent. And um, I really felt like I couldn't share what I was going through yeah. at all it just wouldn't have been on the agenda so that was a bit of a weird time it's funny though isn't it you're right because back then you know we had Twitter but mm. that's not the kind of information that you would have shared on Twitter Twitter was much more kind of little quips and links and jokes and that kind of nobody thing. shared anything I mean the sharing thing has become massive over the last few years because I remember the first few people uh, I remember Sam and Nick Chapman doing a video with their mum about domestic violence. And that was one of the first really open videos that I'd seen somebody do where they were sharing something that was very, very private. Mm. I mean, there would have been ones before that, but I feel that now, you know, people share everything. Yeah. And also, I guess you were a beauty blogger and vlogger and that was what you spoke about. And mm. nowadays it's kind of much more normal for people to do a bit of beauty, a bit of fashion, but also talk about their lives and share things that are happening to them. But back then it kind of wasn't really like no, that. No, you didn't really do that. And I think, um, I mean, I think in a way when I started, the whole model element of it created this mystique, slight mystique. But then on the other hand, I was really open and tried to be very realistic, which is why it did really well. But then you soon realise that actually because you can see viewing figures and reactions to everything, you get a guide as to what the temperature's like on, on a reaction. And I soon realised that the things that did the best were when people saw what was behind you. You know, they want yeah. real life and they want what you're really thinking. Um, and I, I, I'm quite guarded about it, actually. It doesn't look like I am because I tell the most outrageous things about myself. But I'm very selective about what I do tell. Yeah. So by the time your daughter came along, um, how did you decide how much of that experience to share with, with your audience? Well, I decided that I wanted to share the whole of the pregnancy um, just because it was just so amazing. I, I was 
I didn't start until about 22 weeks in because I was so paranoid that something bad might happen and I didn't want to jinx myself. And it's bad enough, I think, sometimes sharing it with like your family and friends. Yeah. But when you have built up an audience to share such personal news, it's a big thing. Yeah, it was quite difficult, but I thought, well, I can't hide it, so I need to tell some things. And then I thought, well, this is actually quite interesting to write about the pregnancy, but I used to write about it sort of a week later or two weeks later. I never felt comfortable sharing stuff immediately. Would you um, write it and then share it a few weeks later? Yes. So that it was fresh in your mind? Yeah. So uh, it was probably a week later or 10 days later. Um, so I would write it. Yeah, exactly. And then I would stagger it. But I do that with my content now. So because I don't like people really knowing where I am in the world, whether I've got my kids with me, where, you know, I always think when people say oh, we're going on holiday for two weeks, I think, oh, my God, you're crazy telling people that online. Or maybe they're doing the same thing as me, which is yeah. I, I will actually just stagger everything by a week so when I'm showing pictures of a time away I'm usually back home again mm. that um, must be it. I mean that there's a lot of brain power and organization surely must go into that because to be sharing content like social media content pretending that you are one place when you actually you're somewhere else is that not no not really do you know what I've got a really overactive imagination and a morbid one so I just think to myself what would I not want a psycho to know about me okay, okay. so I pretend that there's a psycho yeah and that's oh that just sounds awful because my <laughs> audience are amazing um but I always think to myself would you want someone knowing that you're off to pick your kid up from school now mm. would you want them knowing that you're on the school run would you want them knowing where your kids go to school would you want them knowing that your house is currently empty because you're in Paris yeah I just think when you're sharing stuff I think is it something I want to share full stop and can I share it now? Is this real-time sharing appropriate? Yeah. Or do I stagger it? But then everyone does it, don't they? I mean, everyone, you know, to a certain extent, they have, you know, a few hundred people on Facebook that they mm. or Instagram that they're sharing to. Um, and it's so common for people to be like, we're at the airport, we're going on holiday. I know. Our house is empty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, loving our flat screen TV. Wish we didn't have to leave it to go on holiday for a week. <laughs> OMG, I didn't lock the back door. I mean, it, it's just crazy. In reality, though, I do wonder, there can't be that many burglaries that have happened because of social media. It's probably more likely people casing, casing the house and you know, just chanting yeah, that's their arm. True. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose. I just think as soon as you sort of get a bigger following, you've got to multiply everything and there are just... I guess when you've got people. kids, you've got responsibility to ensure yeah. their safety, haven't you? So I suppose going back to your original question, how did I decide how much to share? As soon as I gave birth, I felt so unbelievably protective. I thought, I don't even want people, I don't want them seeing a picture, I don't want to share her name. And of course, everybody was like waiting because they'd gone through this pregnancy with me yeah. uh, and read about every step of the way. And I suddenly thought, no, I'm not sharing her. No, you can all go away. She's mine. And it was a really funny sort of postpartum That's a real reaction. instinct thing, isn't it? Yeah, whereas some people are absolutely fine doing it. Um, so it took me a good few weeks to, to get around. But then because I wanted to write about that, uh, I did quite well writing about my life updates for a few months without necessarily showing a picture of her. I mean, it was always the back of her head or, or something like that. But um, eventually I was like, oh, come on. I mean, people all over the place have pictures of it. I'm not Mariah. You know? <laughs> as much be as I'd like to be. <laughs> yeah. As much as I'd love to be Mariah, it's I am funny not. It's though, because I, I, I get that sometimes. Like, I 
um i'm weaning my twins at the moment so i feel like on every podcast episode i'm like my twins are doing this how like old are that they they're seven months old how has that happened i That's know so just quick. in a blink of an eye i remember the newborn picture i know i know um but yeah, I'm weaning them at the moment and I put up a video of one of my twins uh, taking a sniff of some broccoli or cauliflower yesterday and then just chucking it on the floor and doing a little grin. And I had this panic last night. I was watching it back and I suddenly thought, I don't know if I want to share that moment. Like That's, you know, my baby's kind of first mm-hmm. food moment. And I've just shared it with, you know, 28,000 people. And I had this kind of pang of like, do I want to be doing this? Like <laughs> my life, I'm just doubting my life choices here, you know. But I think that that's a really common thing to be thinking about. Like how much of my life do I want to share with social media? It's hard though, isn't it? It's hard to separate the fact that we work in social media and that ultimately that all of these things add to a platform and build up this vision of a life for other people that they then sort of buy into, for want of a better phrase. And I sometimes think, well, if I wasn't, if my job wasn't in social media, would I share anything about my house, my kids, any of it? And then I thought the other night, well, actually I would because you have this irresistible urge to sort of I see it as you know when people are like I oh, I'm going to write a book because I want to be immortal I want to be there forever you know I want to leave <laughs> something behind there is this urge to sort of document everything and have a record of my existence and mm. it's not actually I don't really care what people feed back on it it's not a validation of my existence but you know, you want to share, don't you? You want to share photos of your babies. Yeah. Like, look at my babies. Know, They're so bloody cute. That's the thing, isn't it? And I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like, I, before I did this as my job, I was always a massive oversharer on Facebook. Like, I was the one sharing. You know, when you'd go on holiday and you would post, like, a hundred photos of my holiday <laughs> back in the day on Facebook, <laughs> and rather than just, like, three <laughs> you might do now. That was me. I was the one kind of like every single meal and every single like night out, you know. Scallops again. Yeah. <laughs> Steak tonight. Mm. Um but yeah, no, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? So how do you how do you juggle everything? I feel like I really hate myself when I ask that question because it feels like a real cliched question to ask a mum. How do you juggle? It's the most important job? one though, isn't it? But it is such a juggle and mm. it can feel like a bit of a struggle sometimes. So how do you how do you manage things? Well, I've changed tack recently. What what I was doing was I was just shoehorning in stuff when I could. And I think that you I don't think you can actually juggle it. I think it's almost that you just do you prioritize. It's like, okay, so my kids are sat next to me, they are the priority. And as soon as somebody takes them off your hands or you get, you know, a couple of hours when they're asleep then something else becomes a priority. But I do feel like our generation are probably the generation that will just burn out because we're doing so much. And recently I just thought, I don't have the mental capacity for this. I'm trying to be like this woman boss who's ruling the world and this incredible entrepreneur, you know, with my finger in every pie. Um, But actually some things have to give you can't I don't think you can do everything because there's just you just never do anything that well that book wasn't there about 15 years ago I don't know how she does it which Mm. was basically about um you know trying to do it all and I think you're right I think that I think that it's one of those things where you can 
do more of one thing at one time. Yeah. But then it kind of has to give a little... I think you always just have to choose one thing. My my problem comes and I'll get suddenly overwhelmed. I can wake up in the morning and think, I've got this. This is amazing. I am just, you know, on top of absolutely everything and nobody can take me down. And it only takes two or three things that maybe I've got to do that I hadn't, you know, made time for or that I've forgotten to do. And it could be paying a bill and then I get sort of a £10 fine on top of the bill that's come through and the fact that I haven't got Angelica's book bag ready for preschool. It can be two things and it just takes everything crashing down mentally. And I just think, I can't do this. Yeah, and you crumble. Yeah, and it can be the smallest things that... but and And it's usually domestic or admin tasks because that's what seems to be my nerve jangler is that well you're working and okay you're doing okay at giving your kids the attention that they hopefully need but you're letting you know you're letting actual domestic life slide yeah and so it tends to be those ones where I think ah you know I can't actually can't actually do all of this but but then the next day you reset and you just pick the next one thing that you've got to get done that day. So it's very haphazard, but I think that I've, in the last couple of weeks, actually, because I've got my app coming out and it's just really stressful. It's another full-time job in itself. And I just thought, I'm, I, ju- I can only do what I can do. So I just have to do it when I've got time. That's so true. You can only do what you can do. You can't, you're not superwoman. No. Tell me about your app. You mentioned your app. I so it's like a little segue yeah. into that. I didn't mean to do that, actually. That was, <laughs> That's terrible. And yes, and by the way, my app. Yes, I have a uh, I have a book out. I have a website. Yes. I have, no, no, no. Um, is, is it called the Night Feed? So the yeah, the Night Feed um, is for new mums who are up feeding a baby through the night. I used to feel really, really resentful about it, and I, mean, I just felt like I was constantly breastfeeding with Ted through the night, and then not so much through the day. And I'd be awake thinking, no one else is having to do this. This is absolute bollocks. Like, why am I? what have I done to deserve and uh, you know it's amazing and he was gorgeous but I just thought I'm so bloody tired this isn't fair and there was nothing for me to do I felt like there was no content that was designed for me um that I could easily get hold of and read through and so when I so two years ago I um did all my trademarking stuff for the night feed I thought wouldn't it be great if there was an app that you could open and everything on there was designed specifically for women who are feeding at night so they don't feel alone it's targeted for them it's useful and rather than almost resenting the fact that you've got to wake up again two hours after you've just gone to sleep you think "Ooh, open the night feed <laughs> let's see who's online i love it so what kind of thing will be on there what kind of content um so it's um think like the best blog content for a new mum. it's all very very specific and relevant um so the type of stuff that i used to write for my life updates for example when i just had both babies Although I'll be pulling other people to do it in that have got a fresher mind on that one than me. But then more importantly, we've got expert content. So midwives, paediatricians, um, breastfeeding specialists, other feeding specialists, sleep nanny, people that can really give good, solid advice, but in a nice, friendly, non-threatening, non-patronising manner to women who, let's face it, are probably in the most vulnerable 
state that they will ever be in yeah. in their lives yeah. because you just feel so raw, don't you? And it's so new. And you can chat to each other, but it's a very, I wouldn't say safe space, but a friendly space. So there's a code of conduct, which is very much, if you can't say something nice, move on. Um, and, you know, we don't want anything that's going to feel attacking or patronising to women because they're in that space. You just want help. You just want friendly chat. So there's a code of conduct and people can report each other for for moderation. And- that's really interesting because obviously, you know, uh, one of the places that new mums might go to currently for a chat is Mumsnet. Yeah. And there's, you know, been a fair bit of criticism aimed at Mumsnet for it not always being the say not safe but the most nurturing helpful environment <laughs> yeah it's yeah i suppose it's gained a bit of a reputation but it's so huge though isn't it mm. and i think that's really really hard to um patrol and i think it's almost become that's become its selling point is, is that it's quite biting and and to the point yeah if you want like an honest no holds barred mm. opinion about something that's where you go absolutely you wouldn't go for a nice fluffy handholdy experience no exactly <laughs> and although i don't want the night feed to be fluffy exactly you know it's for thinking intelligent women uh, i just thought that you know what what's always put me off using forums like that i mean i've always looked up for stuff and and one of the threads will come up on google but i've been too scared to join in well not too scared but it's just it hasn't felt like something that's i've wanted to step into the world of yeah um i thought if i put this code of conduct in place from the very start then hopefully that sets the tone and if other people get used to sort of almost self-moderating so you're moderating other people if something's really unfriendly i mean it, it sounds a bit vanilla and and weedy in one way but in the other way I do think the vulnerability of a new mum needs to be totally taken totally. into account I mean I'm, I'm seven months since having uh having babies and I now only now feel a bit like more like my usual self where I could probably take a bit of criticism and take a bit of you know um you know straight talking whereas a few months ago oh my goodness i i needed you know you said that, that the app's not fluffy but i kind of needed a bit of fluffiness i needed yeah i needed that kind you of want kind words don't you yeah and you want even if someone is saying to you oh actually what you're doing there isn't necessarily the right thing to be doing or have you tried you thinking about this doing it in a supportive way rather than being judgmental mm. or too kind of harsh with their words I think you're definitely vulnerable for a good few months after having a baby. I mean, I still feel vulnerable years down the line. I should point out actually that it's not—it's not really a forum; it's a discuss tab. So there are there are different tools on the app, um, and it's more like—I I tell you what—I got the inspiration from when I used to write my separate baby blog, The Uphill, which is now just part of my main website. People's comments underneath my blog post used to be so hilarious, really long, really well thought out. And it was because mums were up in the night. And so they had loads of time to formulate a 15 minute response. And so that's what I wanted the discuss tab to be. So more than it being a forum where someone could say, anyone got any recommendations for cafes in Milton Keynes? It's more there's a conversation starter, there's a topic. And that might be one of the posts that's gone up or, or a Q&A with an expert. And people are, are talking about that. So it's it's a guided discussion, I suppose, yeah. rather than a forum. So it'd be quite curated. Yeah. Um, it's Sounds not amazing. free-for-all. Thank you. And um, I imagine that by the time this podcast goes out, it will be available. So people 
Can you never know. How long, how long we got? <laughs> just keeps going week, week after week after week. It's quite a complicated old build, I think. So if it is out, I'll put a link to it. In, yeah, that would be great. So yeah, it'll be a few weeks it. yet, I think. Well, Two or three weeks, yeah. I think, I think we'll be good. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Um, so yeah, you've been working on all of that. So a- another thing for you to be juggling. I know, it's great. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you have any brilliant time management skills that you, I mean, you, you talk about just focusing on the thing that's in front of you, but do you have any kind of things that you absolutely always do or never do? Yep, so turning off the, uh, well, I suppose this depends if people have got an iPhone or they use Mac, but turn off the notifications. So on your mail or your text or whatever, when it has that little red number that flashes up just turn those off that and that's a, a bit stressful changer. isn't it when you yeah. see it going up and up and up exactly and so if you're trying to get work done all you see is new emails popping up and then you check them and then you think oh I'll just look at towels on zara and then before you know it <laughs> two hours and you've done nothing yeah so i turn those off and then i just check i get my work done and then i have an allotted time for checking do you ever use one of those kind of social media blockers no i've never used them either but i've always been intrigued um where you just can't get on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Well, I only ever check social media on my phone, though, because right. it's mostly Instagram. So I just put my phone off to the side and it's always on silent anyway, much to the annoyance of most of my friends and family. <laughs> um, but I put that to the side. The other thing I would say, this is probably a bit controversial, um, but in defence of this. So a lot of people use a nursery um, and put their kids in, but you only you don't really get that long at a lot of nurseries, or well, you don't at Angelica's preschool. And I worked out that for putting them both into preschool was about sort of hundred ish more a day. Um, I don't know what it is for nurseries where you have to pay for longer hours, and it actually works out cheaper almost to have a nanny. I think when you um, have more than one child, I've heard quite a few people yeah. saying that nannies and childminders. I was, and- I was feel, like, feel a bit cringy saying it because it sounds like something that's really Mary Poppins, you know, somebody that lives in Holland Park with a nine-bedroomed Italianate mansion. <laughs> um, the nanny's got them, but I've had a nanny for two days a week ever since Angelica was one, and it's just totally life-changing because she comes at eight, she leaves at six, and in that time... I don't have to get in the car because, yeah, you've still got to drop them at nursery. You're still thinking about that time when you've got to pick them up. And I think knowing you've got a set amount of unadulterated time, 
you see, I can't work for 10 hours straight anymore. I used to be able to, but my concentration levels just aren't there. So it builds in a bit of time for me just to stare at the wall and rock backwards and forwards <laughs> and then maybe pop off for some lunch. You know, it, it builds in some time that I can just be an adult. I think that's okay, though. And I think yeah. that we shouldn't feel guilty for needing a bit of that time. Like, life shouldn't be, when you're a mum, life shouldn't be about you're either with your child or you're earning a crust. Mm. And any other time, well, you're just being a bit selfish, aren't you? If you That's if how you I want, felt until quite If you recently. want to go off and have a coffee and yeah. stare at a wall. It's crazy, isn't it? So I'd say if if you're a freelancer, you're trying to start a business or you work from home, any well, even if you don't work from home, any of those scenarios, I think that, um, like, take a look at having a nanny because most people discount it. And even people that I've met through doing this, they've been like, oh, no, 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 I'd never get a nanny. But even if it's, slightly more it won't be for two kids but if you've got one one child and it looks slightly more expensive I can guarantee that the extra productivity that you get from that day more than pays for a you know the extra couple of hours for having a nanny yeah yeah I think it's been amazing brilliant um now we had a brief chat the other day and we were talking about how and I reckon lots of people probably think this but don't admit to it we were talking about how sometimes being a parent can be a bit boring. <laughs> I forgot we said that. <laughs> Sorry, I said that. I won't bundle you into my sins. <laughs> oh God, true. it is, isn't it? Sometimes I think because I think we're all different, and we all, we all find different stuff fun and interesting. Mm. But I mean, for me, things like going to the park for an hour and pushing <gasps> pushing a child on a swing for an hour, like that's going just to the park. Full stop. When does it get good going to the park? Because you get to the park, they don't want to do any of the exciting things. All they want to do is stuff where you've got to stoop and peer <laughs> underneath things. It's like soft play, isn't it? Yeah. When you're having to, when your when your children are too little to go on soft play by themselves, and you've got to be there stooping and squeezing oh. and sliding, and I mean, oh. soft play now is genius because they just tear around, and there's only one way in, one way out, and I just sit there looking at stuff on my phone, looking like a really bad parent, drinking a cup of tea. Yeah. Um, but the park is boring. But, you know, sometimes I, you beat yourself up about, oh, I'm not giving them enough attention and maybe I shouldn't be, you know, maybe I should have just not worked and just been a completely, like, devoted mother and not had a nanny. And then I'll do a day when neither, of you know, when there's no childcare and she's not at preschool and I'm on my own. And I think this is so, it's so hard. It's really and hard. so boring at, at points because it's just... Everything is geared towards doing something for them. There's, it's just relentless. And also, I think there's, there's a lot of repetition involved. So, like, obviously, young kids, you know, in particular, like repetition. Mm-hmm. And so I remember my daughter, my eldest, making about 72 cups of imaginary tea for me. Yeah. And me, you know, drinking and, and playing shops. And, you know, she'd be the shopkeeper and I would have to, like, physically walk up to the shop and buy something else. And... I feel terrible for admitting it, but after the, you know, 15th time of buying some pretend tomatoes, it's a little bit boring. Oh, um, you could you could go out of your mind. And then you're thinking to yourself, I should be appreciating this and this is only going to happen once. Doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Well, this is it, because obviously you've already mentioned that it took you a while to have Angelica and... I struggled to have our twins. That took took us, you know, five years. And so in that respect, you think, you know, 
I feel guilty for mm. for feeling bored that actually that whole kind of like cherish every moment kind of mantra that people chuck chuck at you and you think I'm not cherishing this moment you know I should be cherishing this it's so funny though it's just something you say isn't it because I've said it to people with newborn babies they're like this is really hard I'm like cherish it because it's it's amazing and then you you think back and you think actually at the time it is amazing but we're not I don't think that we're programmed to be able to amaze ourselves in it for 24 hours a day yeah because we're just not designed like that, are we? Our brains can't can't just keep on staring at something and saying, oh, this is great. You know, you've got other things to, to do. And even sometimes I try and do this thing where I'm like, right, I can get by and I can I can do this. I'm going to be totally focused on them because when it all starts to fall apart, it's when you try and do something for yourself or yeah. think for yourself yeah. or answer an email or just have five minutes. Or even just like do something domestic, like hanging up some yeah. washing. And that's when you become resentful because you're like, look, just give me five minutes, you know. Um, so sometimes I test myself. I'm like, right, today I'm going to be that one. It's like, oh, come on, let's pretend to bake jam tarts and, you know. Let's and make do- a den. But 10 minutes in and like they hit each other and you just say, oh, get me out, you know, <laughs> isn't that? And you have, it's true, it's like you have these peaks that are just absolutely amazing and you think, I'm so, so lucky. And I do think that multiple times a day. Mm. Um, but I think it's a very rare person who who is sitting there all day long just counting, you know, patting themselves on the back because it is life just to, maybe it's a British thing as well. Maybe. And I do think there will be people listening who aren't relating to this at all and who Think love... I'm a total bitch. <laughs> and me. But, you know, they'll be listening and thinking, I just don't get it because like, why would you have kids if you find it boring? But I think that a lot of people... Um, you know love I mean you know I love being a mum I'm guessing mm. you do too yeah and like you say there are it's moments the ever. there are moments in the day where you're just like oh you know like your heart swells with joy yeah. and love but then equally there are moments where you're just like this is really boring and it's hard you know it's hard it's really hard it's such hard work and I don't think I've ever met anyone in real life who said well I didn't find it hard I didn't mm. find it boring mm. nobody admits to it because it's not one of those things you sh- you you know that that people think it's okay to admit to. It's funny though, isn't it? Because even as we're having this conversation, I'm just having that slight kind of panic in my head of like, <laughs> oh my God, people are going to think that I'm such an ungrateful, bad person. I don't think so. I think somebody <laughs> somebody that would say that, you get, this is the problem with trolls online though, is that they will take something honest and that's what they use, they, they can't wait for something like that because that's where they... Um, you know, get their claws in and they can use it to make you feel bad. But I don't I don't feel bad for saying that it can be boring. How do you deal with that whole uh, criticism, getting criticism online? Do you ignore it? Do you uh, respond oh, so to, to it? It's ignore it, isn't it? Um, I'm a, I am a sucker for answering people back and I know that I shouldn't because, it, you know, the rules are there. It's don't engage. They want you to engage. They don't care what you say back. They just want to know they've got a reaction. Do you think that it diffuses the situation slightly to... Do you know what some, the thing is, is that for me, sometimes it has done. And I've even managed to get people around to my way of thinking because I've said, well, let's talk respectfully about it and see where we end up, sort of vibe. And it's really worked. And they've ended up saying, oh, thank you. I hadn't thought of it like that. Or I've said, thank you. I hadn't thought of it like that. 
Um, but the majority, I think you can just tell when it's a troll, can't you? I think you just have to ignore because they're just anonymous and you can't you can't engage because they don't want to be engaged with. They just want the reaction and they like it even more when other people come to, you know, your defence and then they can argue with them. Oh, it's just boring and it's such a bad waste of time and energy, don't yeah, you think? I, no, I, I do agree and I think that sometimes... If you focus, like I've heard someone saying recently that it's really easy to focus on like the one negative thing that somebody says about you in a day when actually maybe five other people have said kind, nice things to you, yeah. given you positive feedback, but you, you you choose to focus on that one negative piece of feedback and that's quite an interesting way that our brains work. Mm. And I think it's quite good to try and retrain our brains a little bit and not be so hard on ourselves. Yeah. And to think, well, actually, you can't please all the people all the time. And as long as you are kind of doing the best you can and, you know, being honest, then yeah. that's the best you can do. I this think. is the problem with the whole honesty thing there online, isn't it? That you know you want to be honest and the majority of people 99.9% of people are just so grateful that you've been honest because there will be people thinking oh god I'm so bored with my toddlers I'm so glad that someone else is bored and that I don't have to feel guilty for feeling bored I mean if you were bored like 24 hours a day that would probably be a problem yeah <laughs> or if you just hated it um being you know but do you know what some people hate being a mum yeah and I've met people in real life who've said to me do you know what? I'd never say it's many people, but I hated being a mum. I hated being a mum to young kids. I had a guest on the podcast a while ago um, who we spoke about that. She just does. She's, she's got like four kids and two stepkids, mm. but she just does not enjoy being a mum. Oh, really? Yeah. It must be quite. I think it's probably quite common because you've got your nurturing instinct. I mean, some people don't, um, but it's fighting with everything else that you. How, you know, now we have jobs and we have our own lives, whereas maybe in our parents' generation or generation before, you, you would have just been expecting to, to raise your kids. And so you, we have different expectation levels now. We've got ideas above um, our station. That's what it is, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's the thing. I absolutely love it. And it's just the most rewarding thing ever. And if I had to swap my work from my... You know, if if I just had to choose one, then obviously, yeah. oh God, I'd be terrible. <laughs> Actually, if I I'm going to choose my work. Um, so obviously, obviously, yeah. But, uh, you know, if I had to key back work to, because I felt like I wasn't giving them enough, then I would absolutely 100% do that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I you have to have both to stay sane. Or yeah. I have to have both to stay sane. Me too, I do. And I, yeah, I genuinely don't feel bad for saying that. I think that it's, I think it's okay to... I think I'm a better mum for having distractions. Yeah. Because I'm more focused when, when I have to play the prince to Cinderella for the 80th time in a week. I bet you make a really good prince. Oh, I'm <laughs> so rubbish. I have to go round, I have to fit the shoe to like 50 imaginary people around the room and then I have to act really surprised when it fits on her foot. Oh. I've even got like my foot cupping motion so I slip the shoe on nice. and I sort of like, I do this pressure along her foot so it feels like a shoe. My dedication to creating a real... There's a lot of realism in yeah. our role play. I can't believe this bores you. Though. This sounds great. I want to get involved. Well, no, this is this is the kind of thing I do so that I don't die of boredom of doing the same role play over and over again. Now and again, I get to be the fairy godmother, oh, okay. which is quite good. So I turn different items into, you know, like we go past the pumpkin in the coach. We've got a lot of different 
elements going on to our ball. Um, but I find myself, do you ever, I suppose you're still too young, the twins, but um, I find myself sometimes like verging into the inappropriate. <laughs> and I think, oh, I can't say that, I can't say that, that's far too grown up and she'll go to, you know, I, I, I find myself amusing myself and then forgetting that actually she's of the age where she'd repeat stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or she'll ask me a question about it. I'll be like, why did I... Why did I go down there? That's the tricky thing, that isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I find myself sometimes making little jokes or like laughing. Like <laughs> my husband will say something, like a double entendre, and I'll laugh. And my eight-year-old will be like, why was that funny? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, Pick nothing. Oh, I was, just, I just was remembering a joke that I heard yesterday. I said something. Do you remember in um, Beavis and Butthead? Did they used to say bumholio? Bum, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said yeah. it for something else. I was just like muttering for making myself laugh. And then Angelica said, mummy. I have a pain in my bumholio, and I just thought <laughs> they just are sponges. They soak up everything. Oh, Imagine going to nursery and saying that. Yes, no, you'd be getting a note at home, wouldn't you? Um, but mum guilt can be a big thing. Like we, mm. we mentioned, we've mentioned guilt, um, and quite often you can just feel like you're just not doing a great job, and it can be really easy to be, especially if you're like you know scrolling on Facebook or Instagram and you see other mums doing amazing big craft projects or you know, building cute little cosy dens and snuggling up with their little ones. And, mm. you, and you feel a bit like, oh, they're nailing it. They're they're totally being Do you think, mom. though? Right. Oh, God, I'm just, I can't believe I'm going to say this. So a lot of people that I meet, not in the mummy sphere, but a lot of other people that I meet who are online influencers. Influencers. <laughs> so, influencers. Um are nothing like they are on it. I mean, they look nothing like they look online. They act nothing like they are online. They are not the same person, right? Really? It's complete fabrication. You're lifting the lid here, Ruth. Oh, God, I know. What am I doing? <laughs> I might have to, I'll be like, delete that whole section. And then I wonder how many of the mummy bloggers, in, in inverted commas, mm. are actually doing crafts all day and making dens all day. Is it? a sort of one hour a day and then they document it because it's useful for their audience and they want to pass on an idea, for example. and Or, I don't know. I mean, they, they could just be like us, but they're, they're doing a quick hour of play and taking some photos. And, and in our heads, we're like, oh, they're so good. I th- they're interacting all day long. Yeah, I think there's definitely some element, not even just with mummy bloggers, influencers, but I think just in life. Mm-hmm. Like I know that, for example, if I am doing, if my daughter is painting and it's looking really cute and she's sticking fluffy things and sparkly things, I will quite often take a picture of that for Instagram, even if that only happens once a, once a month. Mm. I feel like... But you know what? That might stick in people's heads. I know. They might be thinking, oh my God, she's so good. Look know, what she's doing. Bad, I've never though. done pom-poms and sparkly I know. things. But I feel like because in my head, that's what a good mum does. Mm. I feel like, oh, um, I'll share this online because then it, it'll make me look like I'm, you know, doing a decent job as a mum <laughs> and... It will balance out me having crisps and wine for tea tonight because uh, I'm too knackered to actually cook any dinner for myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you're right because it's probably not. But then that is happening. Like she is. She. It's not like I'm like, darling, get the paints out because I need. I need to take a picture for social <laughs> but media. That's what I mean, maybe it's our perception of what other people put up. Yeah. But but also going back to what I was saying about sort of other. Uh, influencers or, or people on social media and other spheres 
you know, they're not saying, they're not wearing an amazing dress and saying, this is how I look 24-7. They're just showing a high point. Yeah. But my perception is, oh, why do I always look like bag lady? You know, I'm always in like egg-stained tracksuit bottoms. I just want to look glamorous. You know, that would be nice. They always look so glamorous. But they could have taken all their pictures in one day in Rome, you know, and they're spreading them out. And, and that is what people do. So in the same way, we're looking at mum's, maybe they've done like a session of crafts and they're putting those up over the course of a week. Yeah. And the rest of the time they are exactly frazzled like us thinking, oh God, how are we supposed to fit everything in? I think that's, I think it's really important to remember that when you're looking at any social media, you're not seeing the reality that it Mm. is just a showreel. I mean, a showreel makes it sound really fake, but it's 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 the highlights, isn't yeah. it? It's the things that that person has chosen to share with you. But I think in in the kind of you know motherhood kind of area, it's so good that there are so many mums out there who are showing the reality, mm-hmm. so showing their egg stained tracksuits and the fact they're having wine and crisps for tea, and you know, yes, they might be having a bit of a painting session with their kid, but actually, maybe they they then show the mess that's been you know left afterwards with paint and glitter everywhere Mm. so i think you know i think it's good i think we have got a good balance of you know of content being put out there yeah i tell you who i think makes it look really idyllic though is susie verrell how do you think (laughs) not idyllic i I think she keeps it real no she totally keeps it real but all of her photos and everything i think oh just looks like such a good adventure yeah. you know like it's all so stylish and then they go to Arizona and everything looks amazing and it's all hot and they're in their shorts and they're doing cute things and she's going to the zoo so basically we just need to be I engaged feel, to an um, Olympic athlete who can yeah. take us to Arizona once a year for training <laughs> but for, actually when we were talking about crafts and stuff like that I was going to mention Susie because I never feel because she goes on stories and she's like oh my god it's just taking me three hours to get ready I never feel like she's putting something out there that's unattainable yeah but I I think that she must genuinely do activities with them every day because but I think she makes a bit of a feature of that because she follows quite a lot of people who do that one a day activity and Mm. activity ideas Mm. and then she passes them on which I think is really good and it never made that that sort of gives me ideas of things to do I never feel like Oh, this is making me feel like a, a shit mum. I think that's you the know. thing, isn't it? It's, She's like my mum idol. It's it's getting inspiration rather than yeah. comparing yourself and feeling inadequate. It's using it as a source of inspiration and thinking, yeah. actually, I'm going to do that tomorrow rather than be like, oh, literally we've just sat here watching Peppa Pig for hours on end and... I'm such a terrible mum. It's, you know. But then she goes on stories and, and you can hear Peppa Pig in the background and, you know, she's like, they've been watching it for hours. So that yeah. makes me, maybe I have a hashtag be more Susie. Yes. If you're listening, Susie, we, uh, we've uh, both got a bit of a mum crush on you. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? <laughs> locking her doors tonight. <laughs> oh, I do like Susie. I used to work with her. So um, uh, we both worked on Luke magazine together. Oh, really? Mm. Yep. I'm a, I'm a Susie fan. Um, right. Can we end on something very important, which uh-huh. are... Um, so as a mum, you um, obviously are a bit time poor, I'm guessing, when it comes to getting ready. Just yep. like you were saying about, you know, Susie taking three hours to get ready because uh, it takes that long sometimes. Um, what are your top three products for getting ready and looking good quickly? Quickly. OK. Um, so I'm really bad at getting my hair. I'm going to segue into another little self-promotion here, by the way. It'll be really quick. Um, I'm really bad at doing my hair. So as you can see, it's always in a top knot. But I have a dry shampoo brand called Colab, which is invisible dry shampoo. So I just spray 
shit loads of that in my hair and massage it through and then I don't need to wash it. And if I always make sure that my, my roots are, are done, it looks better, but that's that's um, debatable as to whether I stay on top of those. So that, and then I think um, some kind of really multitasking tinted moisturiser like um, Bare Minerals do the Complexion Rescue one, which is just really sheer. You can't really go wrong with it. And then my go-to used to be under eye concealer because so I've realised that if I don't have mascara, it looks worse than if I don't have concealer. Ah. So, I mean, ideally, I'll have both, but I can't go... It's so annoying because mascara is the most time-consuming and problematic stage in a beauty routine, yet it's one that I can't not do now. Yeah. I just look weird when I don't have lashes. I think that for me, if I'm if I've literally got thirty seconds mm. before I ring at the door, it's mascara. Oh right, thirty seconds. God, that that's hard, isn't it? Thirty seconds is hard. I would literally just wax some mascara on and then. But you can't wax mascara on, can you? Or can you? Oh, I can. I mean, really? I mean, have a look. Is it not all this, go this, over your eyelids. This is what happens when you wax mascara on. Close your eyes. Let's have a look. <laughs> no, no, it looks good. <laughs> See, if I wax, if I whacked it on, it would not. I mean, it just goes everywhere. <laughs> That's pretty. That's a decent, um, decent job. Yes. Some people do a do a bright lipstick, don't they? Yeah. But I find if I had just a bright lipstick on, it would look horrendous. It would make my skin look really blotchy. I yeah, think. Yeah, I have to have the full. If I'm going to do a, a a colourful lip, then I have to have the full Monty of of makeup on. Yeah, I'm with you. And who's got time for that? Let's no you know, on a normal normal day. Um, Ruth, thank you for being my guest. Thanks for having me. It's been great. It has been good fun, hasn't it? It has. Thank you. Thanks. I love how straight-talking and honest Ruth was. Big thank you to her for being my guest and thank you to you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast because it really helps and I'll catch up with you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.